What's up? How are y'all doing? Make your way in. Make grab your way seat, in. Grab a seat. Y'all look good. It's like the back to school, like new fit. So like everybody's oh, got like yeah. clean That's shoes. That's true. I see some new I shoes over it. there. I love nice. it. Hey, if you don't already know us, we are your service hosts. My name's Liv. And my name's Brittany. And we're going to jump into announcements. So Liv, would you kick us off? So first of all, hey, everybody, pull out your phones. And while you have your phones out, make sure to turn off your airdrop. And also follow us on social media at BridgeYTH underscore and stay up to date on all the latest. Also, we have the one, the only, the legend, the myth, the man, Pastor Corey preaching on Sunday! Hey, yo! Hey, you guys don't want to miss it. 1130. We also have connect groups usually on Sundays, but he's going to be preaching in Maine, so you do not want to miss it on this Sunday. And we have a back-to-school celebration. It's going to be August 30th. We'll have hangs at 6, service at 7. There will be free pizza. Who likes pizza, bro? Pizza goes I crazy. Love pizza. Yeah. And, hey, we will also have a raffle going. So you will get a ticket for every friend you bring. And, bro, I know you're, like, sitting in math class and you're bored and you're making friends. Like, bring everybody in your math class and get a ton of raffles. We are also... Wearing jorts. So oh, wear jorts. Pull that's up in gonna your jorts. pop off. And the raffle is gonna be an Amazon gift card. So bring some friends. Also, another way that we worship God is through our tithes and offerings. You guys can go ahead and give online or you can give at the station right at the back by the double doors. There's never any pressure to do it. We just love to honor God with our tithes and offerings. And here at Bridge Youth, we love meeting new people. So hey, everybody, stand up, stand up. Get to your feet. I know it's been a long day at school and you're tired, but bro, you're at youth. It's party time. Hey, hit or meet somebody new and hit him with this question. What is your favorite dish? It could be a cup. It could be a plate. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. What's I'm your kidding. favorite dish, bro? <laughs> Talk about your Gossip favorite food. What's your favorite food? I love coffee.
encourage youth, grab a seat. Okay, my favorite dish is anything Italian because Italian food is so good, so good. If you want the best food though, you have to go over to the Alardo's house because they know how to cook. They know how to cook. So be friends with them, not just for their food, but that is a bonus. <laughs> All right, Bridge Youth, how are you guys doing? You do, it's like, you're like kind of there, but I think you guys are a little tired. How are you doing tonight? Okay. You're getting there. You're getting your energy back. I know everyone... Well, for the most part, I think most everybody's kind of back in school. Um, but it is so good to be with you guys tonight. I just wanted to remind you of a couple things. So we want you to lean in during service, during the message, during the entire service. God's got some really great things for each and every one of us. Make sure to use the restroom after service. You don't need to use the restroom during. You're fine. Um, just use it after service. You're good. You're good. Um, and yeah, so there, tonight is going to be a good night. We are in this series that has been so good called The Wonder Years. And we have Wyatt who's going to be speaking tonight. And he, yes, Wyatt is speaking tonight. And let me tell you, we heard about a little bit of what he's going to be sharing tonight, what God has put placed on his heart to share. And uh, it's going to be a powerful word. And so from the leaders to the students, everybody in this room, God has a word for us. God has a word for me. I want you guys to be expectant. I want you to have open hearts. I want you to be ready for what God wants to do. Um, and I want you to get out your notebooks because you're gonna be taking some notes today, okay? Because here at Bridge Youth, we take notes. And also, here at Bridge Youth, we are not just a hangout. We're not just like a cool place to be on a Wednesday night. This is the house of God. And we want to prepare our hearts before we hear the message because we believe God wants to speak to us tonight. And we want to have open hearts to hear him and to receive the word that he has for us tonight. And before we do that, here at Bridge Youth, we pray. And we want our students to pray. So I'm going to have Lila come up. She's one of our students. And she is going to pray for us tonight before we get ready for the message. All right, Lila, let's do it. All right, bow your heads with me. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity that we all have to be here tonight, God. I pray that you just speak through Wyatt tonight, God, that they wouldn't be his own words, God, but they would just be yours pouring through him tonight. I pray that you would just speak through all of us, God, that um, we would just have a takeaway from this moment tonight, that we would just be go able to go back, it, back to it and apply it to our lives. And in your name I pray, amen. Amen. All right. Turn to the person next to you and say, listen up and take notes. Let's go. Find your dreams come true. And I wonder if you know what it means, what it means. And I wonder if you know what it means, what it means. Bridge Youth, how we doing tonight? We good? Man, oh man. Hey, I'm excited for tonight. Anybody else just love being at Bridge Youth on a Wednesday? 
Come on. I really feel like, at least for me growing up, uh, youth group was always like the oasis in my week, you know. It was a thing that I always looked forward to. So hopefully as you are starting up school, again, you can have the same feeling about Bridge Youth. That is a thing that just keeps you going throughout your week. This is a safe haven. This is your place that you can call home. These are the people that you can call family. Uh, you might be thinking to yourself, I got to call this guy my family. I'm sorry, bro. We're already family. We're already a part of the same crew. Uh, we're just excited to have each and every one of you here with us tonight. Whether you are here in person or you are on our live stream. We like to greet all of our guests by saying we are here to build you up, not Hey, we love you guys so much. And like I said, we are so excited for tonight. We have been so far in a series called The Wonder Years. Someone say The Wonder Years. Someone say And I Wonder. All I can say is that me coming out and about to preach to a Kanye song is like a dream come true for me. That's all I can say. I, I, I'm sorry, he, he who should uh, not be named, I guess, is now his new name. But uh, I'm excited for tonight. I'll be bringing the message because we are in a series so far, like I said, called The Wonder Years. One more time, The Wonder Year. And this series has been all about essentially how amazing, how big God is. And it's really been a series for us to get back to a place in our faith where we can dream. Where we can just be in awe of how amazing God really is. And so far we've talked about creation. We talked about uh, some amazing facts about space and stars and how really how small our life is here on earth in comparison to the universe. But how amazing that it is that we get to serve a God who is not just the uh, author and the creator of us, but also he's the, he's the maker of the entire universe. And for us uh, to be able to be in a relationship with him, how amazing that that really is. Last week we talked about eternity and essentially how it, there's no beginning, there's no end. It was crazy because in the middle of Corey's message, I was looking up essentially like what the definition of eternity is uh, according to Webster. And it says that it is timelessness. Which means that time just does not exist in eternity, which I think is just such a crazy, scary, wild concept to think about. But that's what we talked about. And we essentially talked about how in, in perspective of eternity, our entire life just looks different. And tonight, I'm going to take it into more of a, uh, in a more uh, personal approach, essentially. And what I'm going to be talking to you guys about tonight is found within the Bible. If you didn't know already, uh, here at Bridge Youth, we believe in the Bible. We believe in God's word. We believe in a guy named Jesus, that he is not just a man who lives here on earth, but that he was the son of God. He came down from heaven. He took our place for our sins, for our transgressions, and he rose again from the grave. That's the guy who we are believing in. That is the book that we are going to be going to tonight because we believe that the Bible is the center of all truth. It is the foundation for our lives that we should build on. And so that's the book that we're going to be going to tonight. And really, that's the only book that we're going to be going to because what else is there other than the Bible? Amen. So we're going to be in a book in the Bible called the book of Matthew. Someone say Matthew. Is anybody in here named Matthew? Be honest, be, be truthful. I'm not, but anybody else named Matthew? Uh, this is not your book. This is about a man named Matthew. And essentially it is known as a gospel. And a gospel is essentially the story and uh, the writing of the life and the death of Jesus. And so Matthew takes us into this portion of Matthew chapter 18. 
Matthew chapter 18. And to give you some context in regards to what's about to be happening, the disciples, there's 12 of them, in case you didn't know, and a disciple is essentially a close follower of Jesus. And they are having this debate amongst themselves about who is going to be the greatest in heaven, which is kind of funny because they're talking to Jesus about this. Like, obviously you, Jesus, are going to be the greatest. But they're like, out of all of us, like, Jesus, which one do you like the most, you know? Um, and this is where we find ourselves, within Matthew chapter 18. So can we please rise in honor of the reading of God's word? As we jump into Matthew chapter 18, I'm going to be in uh, the New Living Translation in case you're taking notes, in case you're on your Bible app or you're just on your paper Bible. Uh, but if you guys do not have either one of those things, then we have it up on the screens ready for y'all. So first off, Matthew chapter 18, starting off of verse 1, it says, About that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4, so anyone, someone say anyone. So anyone who becomes as humble as the little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Before we move on, let's pray. God, we love you so much. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, God, for this moment and for tonight. Lord, I just pray that as we jump into your word, as we jump into the truth behind it, and as we talk about the wonder and the awe of how amazing you are, Lord, I just pray that we would open up our hearts. I pray God, that we would open up our minds. God, I pray that we would close off all distractions around us, Lord, or possibilities of distraction. And God, I just pray that we would just invest our time, our focus, and our attention into what it is that you have for us tonight. God, go out ahead of us, Lord, prepare a way for us to be able to hear your voice, for us to be able to be impacted by your word and by your truth. God, we love you and we thank you, Lord, for this amazing moment. In Jesus' name, we can all say amen, amen. Hey, um, I just have a quick question for y'all just to set the stage. Have you ever had a conversation with a kid and about halfway through the conversation, you're thinking, how did I get here? Um, and mainly what I mean by that is, is like, when you talk to a kid, as you might already know, if you have younger siblings or maybe a younger cousin or just somebody young in the family, you will know that kids are bold. Kids have no filter. Kids will say whatever, whenever, and smile about it, you know. A kid will say, yo, your shoes are stupid and smile at you. Like they are just, there's no filter whatsoever. And there was a moment where... I was a youth pastor at the church uh, that I was at before here at the bridge, and I only spoke to our kids' ministry once. And that wasn't because of how awful I did, but it was because I was a youth pastor. I wasn't called to speak uh, to kids or to preach to kids. But we were going through a series within our kids' ministry, and they wanted all the staff members to, to essentially teach a week. And so when my week was on, I spoke at two services. And first one went well, went good, talked about Marvel, talked about Iron Man, all that stuff. Uh, no one is a Marvel fan? Wow. Fake. Um, so <laughs> I also like to, like in context like this, whenever we ask you, how are you doing? Your response is not good, great. It's woo! Like imagine being in a normal conversation with someone and they ask you, how are you doing? Woo! Like are you okay? Like, what is, should I pray for you right now? Like, what is going on in this moment? So, so, so I get through the first service, it, it, it all went good. Second service came along, a little bit, a little bit of, a, uh, of a bigger group of kids. And we get to the very end, and after each 
service, they have me collect these raffle tickets. Now, the students get raffle tickets when they come in. And I am the one who is supposed to read like three or five raffle tickets to see, you know, who won for that service. So I'm reading it through. And this little, little girl, she was maybe in like first grade. She was literally like this tall. I swear. Maybe not, maybe not like this tall. I, I, I mean, she could have been this tall for all I know. I don't know. And you wouldn't know either. I could say whatever at this point. She was this tall, dude. As tall as Zion Williamson. But um, she comes up to me and she has like one of those full pack of Starbursts. And it's not the usual Starbursts. It is a Starburst with the pink, with the red, and with the dark red. The three best flavors in Starburst. She walks up to me with this packet of Starbursts. And you know when you're talking to someone and they talk so soft and, and quiet that you really just have to like lean in. And whatever they say, there's a certain point where you ask, huh, enough that you're just like, I'm not going to ask anymore. I, I'm, I'm just going to go with it, you know. So she's talking to me and, and she's standing like this and she has like her starburst in her hand. And she's like, she's like the pa- Pastor Wyatt, the, the, star, the starburst have have smooth protein in it. And this, just this little girl, and I'm like, what? (laughs) And she says it again, because I have no idea what smooth protein is. And if it's in Starburst, I don't know. I'm a youth pastor. I don't know what's in Starburst and what's not. But the thing that got me, that got me really worried was that she said, I can't have it because I'm allergic. So now I'm all of a sudden her doctor. And all of a sudden I have to be the one to figure out if this is nutritionally safe for her to eat or not. And I'm going through my mind, smooth protein, smooth protein. What is she talking about? Does she mean creatine? No, I'm just joking. But um, imagine uh, just a buff first grader just on creatine asking me if Starburst has smooth protein in it because I need more of it. And she asked me. Does this have smooth protein in it because my mom says that I'm allergic? Basically, she hit me with, my mom says I like these. Except instead it was, my mom says, I could die from this, essentially. So I'm, I, you know, I pick up the packet. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll look right now. And I'm looking through, and I don't see anything about smooth protein. I don't see, you know, it has like three grams of protein. Maybe that's what she meant, maybe not. I have no idea what it is that she's talking about. So I did what any great youth pastor would do. I lied. <laughs> Because I truthfully did not know whether or not it had smooth protein in it. But just to make sure that, I don't know, honestly. Now, now that I'm rethinking it, I was going to say, like, you know, just to help her. If it had smooth protein in it, it would not have helped her at all. Just to help myself, I guess. I was like, no, you're okay, sweetheart. Like, you know, you're good. You're good. Uh, moral of the story, I never saw her again. Um, but the best news is, is that I never got a call into the church saying, like, what did you do to our daughter, essentially? Like, so I think that we're good. I, I, think, I think that I still, I'm still fine. But in the middle of that conversation, I'm thinking to myself, how did I get here? Because as we know and as we, as we, just, as we have established, kids just see the world differently, right? They have a different outlook on the world. And if we can all take ourselves back to that, like, eight-year-old level of thinking when you were eight years old, when you were nine years old, and you just had the whole world in front of you. And you thought to yourself, I am going to be 
this. And the thing that you wanted to be was like a Power Ranger. And it was just not humanly possible. But you wanted to be it. Because you thought to yourself, if I just try hard enough and if I just do enough, I can become a Power Ranger. And nobody told you no. And if people told you no, you said, who cares? I'm still going to do it. Like you just had this level of understanding and, this, and the world was just open to you and everything was amazing. It was like le the Lego movie. Everything is awesome. Everything is amazing. You got a piece of candy, it's the best day on earth. Your mom tells you, hey, after karate, we're going to go get ice cream. We are stoked. And so there's a level of being a kid that is just like everything is amazing. Everything is awesome and is great. But ultimately, when it comes to us growing up, somewhere along the line, it's almost as if we reach this level of everything is awesome, everything is great, everything is wonderful, and all of a sudden, it's almost as if, quote-unquote, life hits us, and we lose this sense of awe and wonder for life and for the world. And all of a sudden, the childlike faith that we had before is now all of a sudden gone and corrupted because life seemed to have hit us. And for tonight, what I really want to do is that I want to talk to us. This is the message title for y'all taking notes. It's childlike faith. And we're going to be talking about this idea of what childlike faith is and ultimately how we can have this be restored within our lives. Because I think when it comes to our relationship with God, we should always look at God with such a level of awe, with such a level of wonder, with such a level of if God said it, it's going to happen. Remember when you were a kid, and like I said before, you just got out of karate, and your mom's like, we're going to go get ice cream. You know what you didn't say? You didn't say, are you sure? Are you, are you lying to me? Are you positive about that? We said, yes, I get to go get ice cream. Because we trusted our parents that when they said it, it was going to happen. But somewhere down the line, because life seems to happen, we now have this idea inside of us where it says, now I have to question everything. And I have to question the things that are ahead of me. And now all of a sudden, I'm looking at God with a different level of with a different level of, uh, um, with a different perspective. Because now all of a sudden, I have trust issues with what it is that God said or what it is that God didn't say. Because this childlike faith that's in me has been taken away, has essentially been stolen from me. When we read through this passage in Matthew 18, uh, one of the study Bibles that I use has a definition for what's going on in this passage. And it says this, it says, the humility of a child consists of childlike trust, and remember these things, childlike trust, vulnerability, and I love this part, and the inability to advance his or her own cause apart from the help, direction, and resources of a parent. It is a childlike, it is a, it is a, it is a childlike faith level of trust, vulnerability, and you know what? I cannot do anything unless my parents help me do it. Case in point, for a lot of you, the way that you got here was because of your parents. So you know what I mean when I say that you cannot, you cannot go places, you can't do certain things without the help of your parent. And it's interesting because as Jesus is talking about this, he's talking about this in the context of the kingdom of heaven. And it's interesting because when we go throughout the Bible, we understand that God is not just God, he is our heavenly father. And we are all his children. And so when it talks about having the need of the help 
and the direction and the resources from our parents, it's not just talking about a physical level, it's also talking about a spiritual level. To say, God, I cannot do anything outside of you. God, I cannot live or operate out of my own strength, out of my own ability. God, I need you. But instead, we got to a point in our lives where we said, I'm grown and I can do it by myself. I'm grown and I don't need God to help me. Because if God helps me, then he's going to ruin it. Because this is what I want to do. And we got away from this feeling of, I need God in this. We got away from this level of trust with God. Because all of a sudden, like I said before, it's no longer if God said it, he's going to do it. It's now if God said it, he might do it. He, he might come through. I, I might be a child of God. I might be loved by God. But yet it says in God's word that he fulfills all of his promises. It says in God's word that he is faithful through all of the ages. And that doesn't just include, or that doesn't just mean people who were back then. It also means right now. It means in your life, right now. And we can have this level of trust with God where we can say, God, if you said it, you're going to do it. And I'm going to trust you to it. And then we get to a level, the next portion where it says vulnerability. All of a sudden, how crazy is it that there was a point in your life when you told your parents everything? And maybe you're still at that point. But the reason why I said it's crazy is because maybe you haven't realized that you actually don't tell your parents everything anymore. You got to a certain point and it was like you were an open book to your parents. They could ask you anything and you wouldn't get offended, you wouldn't get mad, you wouldn't get angry at all. But now all of a sudden if they ask you the right, aka the wrong question, you get mad. You get defensive. You don't want to talk about it all of a sudden. And it's this level with God where it's like, God, I will only take my vulnerability and my relationship with you this far. But if you ask me to go this far, I'm not going to do it. Because I don't really want to open up. I don't really want to talk about these things. I don't really want to dive deeper into the relationship that you and I have. And what we're doing is that we are missing out on a true, healthy, foundational relationship with God. Because we chose to not trust him. We chose to be uh, distant and not vulnerable. And we chose to depend on ourselves rather than him. And we've gotten away from this level of childlike faith. And then we look at our lives and our situation and we think, how did I get here? And maybe it was because we abandoned a few of these things behind. Maybe the reason why we're in the situation that we're in, maybe the reason why you're in the struggle that you're in isn't necessarily because the devil led you there, but because you chose to be there. Maybe the reason why the relationship isn't working out is because it's really not them, it's you. Like, you know when you say that, when you're like, you're like it's not you, it's me. You say that to be nice. Because in the back of your mind, you're like, it is you. You say that to be nice, but in reality, it might actually be you. And we might find ourselves in situations in life that we actually caused and we got ourselves into them. Because we got away from this level of childlike faith. We got, we got away from this level of awe and wonder. And when we looked at God, we thought, man, God, you are so amazing. You are so great. And now when we get into a worship moment, we can't even think of one word to describe who God is. Because we've gotten away from this wonder and from this awe. And really tonight, the only thing that I have is just two points. And the first point that I want to go over is talking about how we got to this point. Point number one for tonight is the problem. The problem. This is the catalyst. This is the thing that got us to this point. 
And what I want to do with this first point is that I want to kick off talking about sleep. How many of you guys just love sleep? Oh, my gosh. Some of you guys are thinking, I wish I was there right now, okay? With the day that I had as a 14-year-old in math class, man, I wish I was sleeping right now. But if you didn't know this already, we have a diagram for y'all. There are, or there's this thing as you sleep called the sleep cycle or your sleep cycle. And essentially it's marked up into four different spots. We have one on all the screens so everybody can see. As you guys can see, N1, that is like the lightest level of sleep. That is like you just laying in bed waiting to fall asleep. N2 is considered light sleep. It's that moment where like, like you finally start to fall asleep. You know, that like weird feeling, that weird sensation where you start to fall asleep. That's what N2 is. N3 is the deepest, or sorry, not the deepest sleep, but it's considered deep sleep. This is the sleep where like if you've ever had a parent who can sleep through anything, they're probably in N3 sleep. This is, this is like you are immovable, essentially. You do not wake up for anything. The next one and the last one is called REM sleep. This is where most of your dreaming happens. Now, the interesting thing is, is that when it comes to sleeping, when it comes to the cycle, there are actually points in your sleep where you are supposed to wake up. Or there's things in your sleep, cycles in your sleep, where if you wake up at this point, you're better off. It's those moments where you wake up and you feel refreshed. You know those moments, and they might be few and far between, but it's when you wake up before your alarm and you're like, I don't even need it. Like, I'm ready to go. Some of you guys are shaking your head because you have this thing where when you wake up, you wake up feeling worse than when you fell asleep. You wake up and the first thing that you think about is, when can I sleep again? <laughs> you know, it's the, it's the people who... And we have some in the office too. It's funny, it's funny seeing people walk through the office on a, on, a, on a Monday or on a Tuesday. And when they walk in, now here's the thing. Alicia, one of our amazing leaders, she wakes up at the perfect point every single day. Because when she walks in, she's like, good morning. How are you doing? But then other people walk in and they are. Because they probably woke up at the wrong time in their sleep cycle. And what happens is, is that if you wake up at that REM area, anywhere within it, what happens is, is that your body was actually not prepared to wake up. Your mind was not prepared to wake up. And so when you break your sleep at that point, or when you are awoken at that point, it messes your whole day up. You can't think about anything. You can't focus on anything else. The only thing that you can think about is this one thought saying, I cannot wait to go home so that I can sleep. And it's almost as if your rest has been stolen from you because you woke up at the wrong point in your sleep cycle. And the thing that it reminds me of is this verse in the book of Song of Songs. Or in other translations, it's called Song of Solomon. And with some context behind this book, this is essentially a love letter that is going on between a couple. And they're about to get married. And it's this whole story and it's this love story about these two people. And they're going back and forth with each other. And it's a combination of all of these love letters. And it's interesting because in chapter 8, verse 4 of Song of Songs, this is what it tells us. And it's talking about sleep. And it says this. It says, promise me a woman of Israel. Talking about the young woman or the young lady uh, who is writing back to this, to this guy. It says, promise me a woman of Israel. Not to awaken 
love until the time is right. Not to awaken love until the time is right. Now, it's interesting because there's another book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes. And this book, I mean, you might read the first page and you're thinking, wow, this is depressing. Because it literally starts off with everything is meaningless. <laughs> everything is in vain. But it gets to an amazing chapter in chapter 3 where it talks about how there is a time for everything. There's a time to sleep. There's a time to wake up. There's a time to plant, there's a time to harvest. There is a time for everything, and that is true throughout all of our lives. There is a time for love in your life, and there was a time for singleness. There was a time for study, there was a time for everything in your life. And what happens is, is that one of the reasons why your childlike faith has been stolen from you, the reason why this awe and this wonder for God and for life has been stolen from you, is because there are things that have been awakened in your life that were not awakened at the right time. Are you hearing me? Because what it's talking about within that specific verse is that it is not just talking about love, as in, oh, I love you so much, but it's actually talking about love in an intimate way, a.k.a. sex. Cool, we got that out of the way. Because... If we know from the Bible, it talks specifically about waiting until the right time, waiting until marriage in order to do this, waiting until the right relationship and the right time. And essentially what is happening in Song of Songs is that this author is saying, hey, I know that you really want to. I know that it's about to happen, but do not do this thing until the right time or else you're going to ruin it. Because if things do not happen in their time, all of a sudden your life is thrown off. All of a sudden, your dreams are thrown off. Or all of a sudden, you feel like you have to grow up quicker than expected. All of a sudden, it feels like because things are awakening in your life at the wrong time, or because even things are being awakened that were not ever intended to be awakened in your life, it almost feels as though your heart is having to harden because within those things come hurt. Within those things come pain. Within those things come blaming yourself and blaming others. And really what I want to do within this moment, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be truthful. And I'm going to lay out essentially what's about to happen. Because this moment that we're about to have is not for everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. This moment is not for everybody. But do not mess it up for somebody else. Do not allow somebody else to take away your moment because they decided to be dumb and wanted to distract you. Because this moment is not just any type of moment. This is a moment that God planned for you to be here so that you can hear. And the enemy knew that ahead of time. And he caused this thing called distraction in order to take you away from the moment that God wants to have with you right now. And like I said, this moment is not for everybody. And if it's for you, lean in. If it's not, don't take it away from somebody else. Because there are things in life, in this world, that have been designed to awaken things in you that were not supposed to be awakened. One of those things is social media. All of a sudden, we can now see everybody's highlight reel. All of a sudden, we can see everything that everybody has going on. And we can get attention from it. And we can get likes from it. And we can have people follow us. 
and give us influence. And all of a sudden, as a teenager, you have something in you that has been awakened that was not supposed to be awakened. Ladies, you did not always used to dress like that. You did not always used to think to yourself first thing in the morning, thinking, how can I get so-and-so's attention? You did not always used to think that. Be honest. You did not always used to think to yourself, I should post this because I know if I do, so-and-so is going to look at it and they're going to like it. And all of a sudden, the thing that's awakened in you is the need for attention and insecurity. And it's awoken this thing inside of you that has made you convinced that you are really not beautiful. That you are, that you are really not God's masterpiece. And it has convinced you that you have to change in order to be the right person. You did not always used to think that way. You did not always used to dress that way. Fellas... You did not always used to look at girls that way. When did you get to a point where the first thing that you looked at in a girl was not her face? All of a sudden, because of social media, you can see whatever you want. You can like whatever you want. And it has corrupted your way of looking at a woman. And it's awoken something in you that was never meant to be awoken to begin with. And it has caused insecurity. It's caused doubt. It's caused self-harm. It's caused things to awaken inside of people that were never meant to be awakened to begin with. For everybody in the room who has dealt with abandonment, for everybody in the room who has to go through, or, 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 or who, who has ever gone through a divorce before, that is something that you did not intend for. That is something that you did not cause also. But it has brought this fear inside of you. It has awoken this fear inside of you that now anytime that you're with someone or anytime that you meet someone, you might not show it, but in the back of your mind, you're thinking, when are they going to leave me? And it's awakened this thing inside of you where you can't help but blame yourself. You can't help but think to yourself that I caused this. You can't help but think to yourself that the person who left me is an awful person. And it has grown this bitterness inside of you. And it's grown this hardened heart inside of you. And now, like I said, when you get into relationships, you may not show it, you may not say it. But in the back of your mind, all you can think of is the fear of losing them one day. And that was something that was given to you. That was a situation that you were put in that you were not intending to be in. But because of that, it has taken away the trust that you are meant to have in God. Because when I say that God is your heavenly father, you can only look at the failed mistake of your earthly father. And you can't help but think to yourself, if my heavenly father is like my earthly father, then I don't want it. And it has brought something in your life that has caused you hurt and pain. For the person in the room who has a struggle of dependence. What I mean by that is, is that you have a dependence on watching porn. 
You have a dependence on nicotine. You have a dependence on alcohol. You have a dependence on pills. You have a dependence on weed. You have a dependence on whatever the heck chemicals are in your vape. And you might be thinking to yourself, I don't have a dependence because I don't have a problem with it. I don't use it all the time. Well, when you're stressed, what's the first thing that you go to? Because if you go to that, you're dependent on it. And it has brought this sense of numbness to you. Because all of a sudden, you are now thinking to yourself subconsciously that in order for me to feel joy, I have to do this. In order for me to feel something, I have to do this. But can I just tell you? For those who struggle with watching porn, for those who have a dependence on it and you feel like that if you don't watch it, something is missing inside of you, can I just tell you that that is not something that you were meant to see. For the person who has a dependence on these substances, you were put in a situation with people that you were not supposed to be in. You were with a family member who said that it was okay you were with an older sibling who you wanted to look cool with. You were with some friends who you wanted to hang out with and fit in. And all of a sudden, because of those situations, you now have a dependency on that thing. And it's changed how you look at yourself. And it's changed how you feel. And you have lost the joy of life because you don't really feel joy unless you do that thing. And it has brought this numbness in your life. For the person in the room who's been abused, physically, mentally, verbally, emotionally, sexually, for the person who has been abused, that was something that somebody else forced on you. And the thing that comes up in your heart is that you blame yourself for it. And today when I was preparing the message, I, I got to this part, and I feel like the, the images that I got was that you gave a family member, a best friend, a quote-unquote best friend who you thought was your friend who could be trusted. You gave someone who you look up to. You gave a parent. You gave somebody your heart, trusting them, and they crushed it. The other image that I got is that you once had a light about you. When you walked into the room, you were the life of the party. When you walked into the room, your smile just illuminated everything around you and all of your friends. And they just, they were just so happy to see you. But it's almost as if because of what has happened to you, the light that was once in you has been blown out. And that was stolen from you. And the thing that, that brought about that the feelings that you have now is, is hatred, not just for that person, but for yourself. Because you might think to yourself that you caused it, or you might even think to yourself, which is a total lie from the enemy, that you deserved it. And I feel like that there's so many more that we could just go through. We could, we could pick through moments and, and difficult things and, and heavy things to talk about. And maybe I didn't exactly name what it is that, 
that stole that childlike faith inside of you, that stole that wonder, that stole your, stole your light, that stole your heart. But whatever that, yes, that, the thing that just popped into your mind, whatever that thing is, can I just say as, a, as like an older brother in Christ, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry for the hurt. I'm sorry for the pain. I'm sorry for the moments that were put upon you that you did not intend for. That somebody else decided for you. And I'm sorry. And the reality is, the two truths behind it, is that we cannot go back. We can't go back to that place and stop it. We can't, we can't time travel to the, to the past and say, nope, this isn't going to happen. I'm going to create a new path for my life. Th that, that is just not possible. That's the first truth. But the second truth is that we serve a God who was able to take the broken things, who was able to take the things that were stolen from you, who was able to take the things that the enemy intended for evil. He is able to take those things and he is able to restore them in your life. Because you might be thinking to yourself, wow, what a night to come to youth. I brought a friend and now I regret it. <laughs> but this is the good part. Because all of that that we just laid down was the foundation to get to where God wants us to be. Because here's the thing is that we serve a God who is able to restore. We serve a God who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we may ever ask or imagine. It says within Romans 8, chapter 28, it says, and we know that God causes everything. Someone say everything. Someone say everything. God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. See, God has a purpose on your life. God has a calling on your life. And see, here's the thing is that there's a bunch of wills going on. There's our will, there's the enemy's will, and then there's God's will. And God did not intend for you to go through those things. But because of circumstances, we find ourselves at this point. But just because we're here doesn't mean that God still can't get us over there. Because he's able to work together all things. Yes, the bad. Yes, the ugly. Yes, the broken. He's able to work together all things for the good, for the benefit, according to his will and his purpose for your life. And I know what some of you are thinking right now. That's for the person right next to me. But no, it's for you. Do not single yourself out of God's promises because it is for you. The enemy does not determine what promises are for you. God does. It is your promise that God's going to work together everything for the good of those who love God according to his purpose for them. There's a story within, within the book of Genesis. It's in the very first book of the Bible. And there's a guy named Joseph. And Joseph was going through it. I mean, this guy was, you know, attempted murder by his brothers we're trying to get rid of him, sold him into slavery, finds himself in all types of situations. Yeah, you're thinking, that's in the Bible? I thought the Bible was boring because you're not reading it. So he's going through this moment, and all of a sudden he finds himself in Pharaoh's palace in the most powerful kingdom on earth at the time. And he's in a, he's in a powerful position. And his brothers 
who were once his enemies find him and they're in a difficult situation and they find him and they get afraid because they think to themselves, man, Joseph is now going to return the favor on us. But instead, this is what he says. This is Joseph. He says, you intended to harm me. I need you to think about the thing that hardened your heart. I need you to think about that moment. I need you to think about that time. I need you to think about the thing that stole your innocence. I need you to think about the thing that stole your purity. I need you to think about the thing that stole away that childlike faith inside of your life. And I need you to replace that with you. This thing intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. What the enemy intended to break you down, what the enemy intended to mess you up, what the enemy intended to steal, kill, and destroy from your life, God intended to use it for his good and for his benefit according to your purpose for your life. Because God is able, and he's able to restore, and he's able to take the broken pieces of your life that I, that I get it. You might think to yourself, I'm too broken to be used by God. I'm too broken to be loved by God. I'm too broken to possibly have any sort of relationship with God. But can I just speak to that lie really quick and say, you are not. Because if you were, then none of us would be here. If there was a point that we could be at that disqualified us from being used by God, this room would be empty. This place would be empty. This, this church would be a total field. But God is able to use broken pieces to put them back together and use them for good. The last point for tonight is the restoration. The restoration. We're going to be jumping into a story in Mark. Mark chapter 5. Mark, again, it's a gospel. And we find ourselves within a very interesting time. In this story, Mark chapter 5, starting off in verse 25. It says, it says, a woman in the crowd. Context, there's a huge crowd around Jesus. He's going to go and heal someone's daughter. There's this huge crowd following after him. So this woman is in the crowd and she has suffered for 12 years. Someone say 12 years. 12 years, remember that number, with constant bleeding. Now some background behind this. What is happening is that because this woman has an issue of blood, she is now considered ceremonially unclean, which in that day and age meant that she couldn't be around anybody. So because she had this issue of blood, she was isolated and lonely for 12 years. Also, what it meant is that she could not go into the temple to offer sacrifices. The temple in modern day, you know, English is the church. She could not go to church to offer sacrifices. She could not go to church to reconnect with God. She could not go to church and have a normal relationship with God or with anybody else. So she finds herself within a, this crowd having this issue of blood. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. So she's going to doctor after doctor, physician after physician. She's going to specialists. She's going to uh, whoever is willing to help her. And she's trying it all. And I just imagine at this point, she's getting her hopes up at this visit because maybe this is the one, and then she's let down. And then the next visit, she gets her hopes up, and then she gets let down. How many of us know that when that happens enough, 
you just stop getting your hopes up. How many of you know that at a certain point in life, when you get your hopes up and when you're let down enough, you just stop getting your hopes up? And at a certain point, this woman is finding finding herself with a hardened heart probably, with a bitter heart probably, thinking to herself, nothing can cure me, nothing can help me because I have seen everyone. I've had my hopes drop thousands of times and now all hope is lost and things are starting to get worse. Well, she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. But here's the good part. Verse 27, she had heard. She had what? That was, okay, let's try that again. She had what? She had heard about Jesus. So she heard about Jesus. You're probably thinking to yourself, what does that have to do with anything? There's a verse in the New Testament, in the book of Romans. There's a verse in Romans 10, verse 17 that says, faith comes by hearing. And it's almost as if what happens in this moment is that she has a turning point. Because her hope was lost. Her faith was lost. The expectations that she had was lost. And it's been dropped time and time again. But all of a sudden, because she hears about Jesus, it's almost as if her faith just sparked. It's almost as if something inside of her told her, hey, you tried everything, but this is the guy. Because what did she hear about him? Probably how he's a healer. Probably how he's able to make blind see again. Make people who aren't able to walk, walk again. She's hearing all of these stories of miracles. And she's thinking, wait a second. I need a miracle. Jesus can probably do it. And so she hears about Jesus. She what? She hears about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. Imagine this. If she was to touch her robe, or if, he was, if she was to touch his robe, in other translations, it says that she touched the hem of his garment. This is your hem. So if he's wearing a garment, that means that it's at the very bottom. And if she's able to touch it, that means that she is not just walking through the crowd. She is crawling through the crowd to avoid people because she's unclean. She's trying to avoid everybody. She's trying to avoid, you know, people from noticing her touching them or rubbing up against them or whatever it may be. But she's touching the hem of Jesus' garment. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Again, going back to faith. She heard Jesus and now all of a sudden she has this faith to believe. If I can just touch the robe, I will be healed. And then, verse 29, immediately, someone say immediately. Immediately the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. So within a moment of faith, within a moment of awe, within a moment of wonder of what it is that Jesus could do, within a moment of getting her hopes up for one last time, she is immediately healed of her disease of 12 years within a moment. Because she got her wonder back. Because she got her faith back. Because she said, it doesn't matter what it is that life gave me. I'm going to go to Jesus and I'm going to get my miracle. I'm going to go to Jesus with my faith. And I'm going to believe that he is able to work together all things according to his purpose for my life. And so she goes to Jesus and she is healed immediately. And then Jesus realized that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe. Now, if you're this woman, this is the worst case scenario because you were trying to be incognito with it. You were trying to be, you know, like a secret agent, trying to get your miracle and get out before anybody notices. 
And all of a sudden, Jesus says, who touched my robe? Because healing power left my body. Now he's looking for this woman. And then Peter jumps in. His disciple says to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How could you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. I love that Jesus kept on looking. Because you think to yourself that, oh, no one's going to notice. Oh, Jesus doesn't really care. In a moment where Jesus is about to go and heal somebody else, Jesus is on his way to go and do something. This is an urgent matter. He's going to go and heal someone, and he stops to find this woman. You might think to yourself that you are too far gone, that you are not worth finding, but can I tell you that Jesus in this story stopped everything to find this woman. Jesus will stop everything to find you because you are worth it. Because your situation does not determine the love that God is able or not able to give you. And he stops everything just to find this woman. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell on her knees in front of Jesus and told him what she had done. Other translations say that she told him the whole truth. She told him the whole story. And this hit me because I thought about you. And the reason why I thought about you is because I wonder how many of us in the room, I wonder how long it's been since we told Jesus the whole truth. I wonder how long it's been that we just went to God and say, God, here's everything that I'm going through. I'm not leaving anything back. Have you ever had a moment before where you tell your parents something that you think that they're not gonna know? Like you tell them, mom, I broke the vase. Mom, I got an F on my report card. Mom, I got whatever. And she hits you with, I know. You're like, how? How, how did you know that? Well, secretly, I'm not a parent by any means, but I like to think that my mom had something called the Holy Spirit and superpowers to tell her, hey, Wyatt did this. But here's the thing, is that you think that you're gonna tell your parents something that they don't already know they already do. You think that you're going to tell God some bombshell conspiracy, some bombshell scandal, some scandal, some, something in your life that just happened to you that he's not going to have any idea about, but he already knows. And God is a gentleman. He's not going to bust down the door of your life and say, I'm going to do a miracle. But it's in those moments when we're vulnerable it's in those moments when we have faith to tell God the whole truth, to tell God the whole story and say, God, here's everything. Here's how I got to this point. Here's my suffering. Here's my hurt. Here's my bleeding. Here's, here's everything that I've been going through. And God says, I can use that. I can use that brokenness. He tells, or she tells him the whole truth. And she is on her knees just, just hoping that Jesus isn't going to hurt her in this point. It's interesting, too, because in the Greek, the word trembling can also be translated as fear, but a second translation or a second definition for the word is awe and reverence. And it's almost as if in a moment, she got back her awe. She got back her wonder. She got back this thing that was stolen from her for 12 years of her life and she could finally be in wonder of God. So she's healed immediately. And then in verse 34, this is where we're gonna end. It says, and he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. It's interesting because 
when we read, when we read through this story, we see that he not only heals her of what it is that she was going through, right? He doesn't just heal her of her physical disease, but what he does is that he restores things that were stolen from her because of this disease that she had. Notice the first thing. He says, daughter. He calls her daughter. Could you imagine having this disease in you that makes you unclean? You cannot be around anybody. And to top it all off, anytime that you're in public, you have to announce, I am unclean. Do not be around me. Do not touch me. Do not, do not even walk where I'm at because I am unclean. So for 12 years, she's been told, get away from me. You're unclean. She's been having to tell other people and even herself, I am unclean. She has had to isolate herself for 12 years. Don't you think that at a certain point, she started to believe it about herself? Don't you think that at a certain point, she started to take on this disease as her identity? Now, all of a sudden, she's thinking to herself, man, things are starting to get worse. I might die with this thing. And all of a sudden, Jesus calls her daughter. Jesus gives her an identity. He restores to her the thing that was stolen from her because of the disease. All of a sudden, she was no longer unclean. All of a sudden, she was no longer labeled as someone who was sick. She was now labeled as a daughter. She was now labeled something different other than what the disease could give her. For the thing that was stolen from you, maybe the thing that was stolen, I'm about to fall off. Maybe the things that were stolen from you was your identity. And God wants to restore that. Because when you look at yourself in the mirror, the only thing that you can see is what you did. The only thing that you can see is what happened to you. The only thing that you can think about and the only way that you can see yourself is the thing that stole your innocence and that stole your purity from you. And all of a sudden, that thing has become your identity. Can I tell you, that is not your identity. Jesus has a new identity for you tonight. And he wants to restore that in your life. The next thing that Jesus does is that he says, your faith has made you well. In this world, the word that's used in here within the Greek and the original language also means saved. And what theologians believe is that Jesus was not just saying your faith has made you well as in your faith has healed you, but it also means that your faith has made you well as in her salvation. So all of a sudden, the disease that she had stole her relationship with God. She was not able to go to the temple. She was not able to, to, to offer sacrifices because she was unclean. And all of a sudden, Jesus is calling her daughter and he's saying, you are now a part of the family. He restores the connection and the relationship that she once had with God because that was stolen from her. I think for some of us, the thing that stole your childlike faith, you might not want to admit it, but has also stolen a part of your relationship with God. It has made your mindset and your perspective of God jaded. It's made you think of God differently than who he actually is. But Jesus is saying, your faith has made you well. And he's saying, I know that this is what you went through. I know that this is what happened in your life, but this is not your defining moment. And I wanna take you out of this moment and I wanna bring you back into salvation with me. The last thing that Jesus says is that he says, go in peace. Your suffering is over. 
I would only imagine that this woman for 12 years has been terrorized by this disease. That's the only thing that she can think about. She's overthinking it. If I go outside, what do I do? If I'm around people, what do I do? What are they gonna think? That's the only thing that she can think about. And it's interesting because there's a thing in like psychology, I think it is, where it's called the Maslow hierarchy of needs. And basically what it is is that it starts at the very bottom and it starts off with the most general needs, right? Like food, water, health, rest, things like that. And then it builds from there. And the theory behind it is that you cannot get up to here if you do not meet these needs. So imagine she only can think about, her mind has been occupied for 12 years straight, only about her disease, only about her suffering, only about what it is that she's going through, the pain, the humiliation, the embarrassment. That's the only thing that she can think about, and Jesus restores that. Man, she, she, couldn't, even, she couldn't even think past five days, let alone dream about what the rest of her life is going to be like. And all of a sudden, Jesus restores her peace. All of a sudden, Jesus gives her something that none of these doctors could offer them, that none of the relationships in her life could possibly offer them. He gives her peace so that she can go and live in wonder again. Because all of a sudden, she doesn't have to worry about this disease. All of a sudden, when she's in public, she doesn't have to worry about what people are going to think. She can dream again. She can have wonder again. And tonight, for some of you, it has been so difficult to dream about what's next for you because you can only think about where you are and where you've been. And Jesus wants to say, go in peace. Your suffering is over. You don't have to worry about that anymore. Yes, it happened. And yes, it's awful. But you don't have to worry about those things anymore. Because I want to restore that. And I really do believe that God wants to restore some things in people's lives tonight. Amen? Hey, what I really want to do right now is that I want to give people an opportunity to jump into this relationship. You know, we talk about Jesus. We talk about salvation. We talk about how Jesus offered this woman salvation and gave it to her freely. Kind of just lets you know that that same opportunity and that same salvation is available tonight. The first step of restoration is restoring the relationship between us and God. Because at the end of the day, we fall short of God's standards. We fall short of his will. We fall short of everything that God has for us. And because of that, it has caused a separation in our life. But Jesus came as a son of God to not only live perfect, sinless life and be an example for us, but he also died on a cross for our sins. He took our death, he took our punishment, he took our shame upon himself, and he bore the cross so that you and I would be made righteous through him. And so that our relationship with God would no longer be separated, but that it would be reunited. And so tonight, if that's you, I really do want you to press into this moment. Because maybe your heart's pounding right now. Maybe this is your first time here and you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Maybe this is your first time back in a while. Maybe this is where you call yourself, you know, this is your family, this is your home, but you're like, you know what? I know that I'm not right and I wanna get right again. This is your moment, this is your time. And so right now with, just close your eyes in this moment. Bow your heads. And we do this because this isn't about anybody else around you. This isn't about your neighbor. This isn't about the person right next to you. This isn't even about 
what you're going to do afterward. This is about right here, right now. And this is about you and your relationship with God. And so tonight, I want to offer an opportunity, the same opportunity that Jesus gave this woman to say your faith has made you well. If that's you tonight and you want to accept Jesus into your life, either for the first time or as a rededication, this is your moment. This is your time. Nobody's stopping you. Don't hesitate. Don't overthink it. This is for you. And I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I just want you to raise your hand as a symbol of saying, God, I need you. God, I want you. God, I need to reconnect my life with you. All across this room. One, two, three. If that's for you tonight, awesome. Amen. You can put your hands down. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 that if we confess with our mouths and we believe with our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God rose him from the dead, then we will be saved. It's grace that's extended to us and we receive it in faith. So all across this room, as a family, especially those who rose their hand, would you just repeat these words after me? Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I fall short, but you are my savior. God, I pray that you would come into my life, you come into my heart, make me new again, restore the things in my life that were stolen from me. God, I thank you. Jesus, I love you. In Jesus' name, we can all say amen, amen. Hey, can we make some noise for the people who accepted Jesus tonight? Hey, what we're gonna do right now Remember how I said before that this moment is not for everyone? This moment, truthfully, the one that we're about to step into is really not gonna be for everyone. So the same things apply. If it's not for you, then I would ask that you would pray for those who are gonna be up here. Because what we're gonna do right now, like I said, I, I really do truthfully feel like God wants to heal and God wants to restore things that have been stolen in our lives. God wants to restore the childlike faith, the, the awe and the wonder that we once had. He wants to restore innocence. He wants to restore purity. And we can't do it, only God can do it. But there's a level of faith, trusting in God, believing in God, but also obedience the willingness to step out, the willingness to do things maybe even outside of our comfort zone in order to see God move in our life. This woman in Mark chapter five, she had to go through a crowd to get to Jesus. She had to really step out of her comfort zone to get to Jesus. And she has such an amazing encounter and such an amazing restoration with Jesus within that moment. And I want the same opportunity for you tonight. Because what I want to do is that I want to call up, not right now, but I want to call up people who need restoration in their life. Who want healing in their life. Healing for the memories. Healing from the events that happened before. Healing from the moments that, that stole your innocence, that stole your purity. And like I said, it's not going to be for everyone. And that's okay because for the people who it's for, they're going to get healed tonight. They're going to get restored tonight. And you know what's cool? Is that not only are the people who are going to be restored, but we have a part to play in it. And we get to see God move in that moment. But 
like I said, it's not going to be for everybody. It's interesting because when we read through the Gospels, we'll see moments where Jesus heals people who couldn't walk. And oftentimes what he'll do is that he will say, pick up your mat and walk. And I've always thought to myself, why? Like, why would, why would you take your mat with you? I guess if it's your possession, if it's what you have, like, I guess that makes sense. But I, I always wonder, like, why that is. And theologians believe that the reason why Jesus said that, pick up your mat and walk, is because when people would see somebody walking around with a mat, they would ask them, hey, you used to live on that thing. Hey, wait, you, you used to not be able to walk, and, and, and now you are. How, how did that even happen? And what it was, was that it was a way to show what Jesus did. It was a way for people to see what it is that God was able to do in their life. See, because what ended up happening was that people would come up and ask them, like, hey, you used to not be able to walk. What happened? And all they could say is, Jesus did it. All they could say is hold up their mat and say, this is where I used to be, but I'm not there anymore. They could hold up their mat and say, this is where I used to live, but this isn't, this isn't where I am anymore. What the enemy intended for evil, God turned it for good. God is able to work all things together according to his purpose for my life. This wasn't my life. This wasn't my purpose. God did not intend this for me. But now you are seeing me walk again as a testimony for Jesus. And that is the good that he intended. And so when people see you again and when they ask you, hey, something's different about you. Hey, you're talking different. Hey, you look different. Hey, why are you acting different? You could pick up your theoretical mat and say, this is where I used to be, but this isn't where I am anymore. Because God restored me. And God healed me and God did a work inside of my life. And if he could do this, I literally fell right there. I was about to be on a mat real quick. I'm just so excited, dude. God, if God can do this, what can he do in your life? And that is where your testimony comes in. To say, you know what? You might be in a similar situation. And if God could turn this around, he could turn it around for you too. So in this moment, I want everybody in the room to stand because what we're going to do is that I'm going to invite people, again, not right now, I'm going to invite people to the very front, to like this very front, who need restoration and who need healing. But I'm going to have you students who are at your seats, who like I said, this moment may not be for, I want you to be praying for your friend from your seat who's going to be up here. I want you to be doing spiritual warfare on their behalf for them to receive the healing, for them to receive the restoration. And I need you to do that because we are all in this together. Because there might be people up here who are fighting a battle and you're in that battle too. So all across this place, if you need restoration, if you need healing, if you need your innocence restored, if you need things in your life restored that the enemy have stolen, come right now. Right now, right now. We're in no rush. Right now. This is for you. I know every thought in your mind is saying, it's not worth it, it's not going to work, it's not going to happen. But this moment's for you. This is your time, this is your place. 
who are still coming. Anybody else? Anybody else? One more time. Amen. I think this is everybody. Now what we're going to do, and I didn't tell you this before, because this might have made you a little bit nervous. I'm going to have our leaders come up. And they are going to surround you. And they are going to pray for you. And they are going to fight alongside you. And they are going to believe alongside you. Believing that God is able. Believing that God is willing. Believing that God can turn the things in your life around. Believing that God is able to take the things that were intended for evil. And make them for his good. And they're going to do warfare alongside you. And for everybody who's up here right now who needs healing, who needs restoration, I just want you to close your eyes right now and either lift up your hands to the sky, put your hands out as if you're gonna receive something. And we're gonna do this in faith, believing that I might not have received my healing yet, but I'm ready for it when it happens. We just begin to pray. Students all across this room, sometimes we do this in church. And maybe you're wondering why we do this. We ask you guys to reach your hands out and pray for those people. But really, it's a symbol for us to say, I'm stretching my faith. I'm stretching my hands out. I'm stretching my prayers out to the people up front on their behalf. So students all across this place, if your friends are up here, if your brother is up here, if your sister is up here, if somebody is up here who you love, I want you to stretch out your hand and I want you to pray from your seat on their behalf. God, you are so great. God, you are so mighty. God, you are so able to heal. God, you are so able to restore. God, I pray for the students who need a new heart. God, I pray for the students who have seen things, who have heard things, who have had things spoken to them. God, I pray for the students who have memories about moments. I pray, God, for the students who have a hardened heart, who have a bitter heart, who have a distorted heart, God. Lord, I pray for the students right now that you would give them a new heart in the name of Jesus. God, I pray your word, Ezekiel 36, 26, where it says, and I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you, and I will take out your stony stubborn heart and give you a tender responsive heart. God, I pray that you would that you would do a transplant right now inside of people's lives right now in the name of Jesus, God. But that you would give them a new heart. God, that you would give them a new spirit. God, I pray that you would take out the bitterness. I pray, God, that you would take out the old, stony, hardened heart that is inside of their life, God, and that you would replace it with a fresh, ready-to-go, vibrant heart, Lord, in Jesus' name. God, I pray for the students who think to themselves that they are no good, that they are not able, that you do not love them, that you do not care for them. God, I rebuke that right now in the name of Jesus, and I pray your love over them, Lord. I pray, God, that you would speak to them right now. God, I pray that you would break chains right now. God, I pray for the students in 
inside of this place who feel like they are not good enough to be in your presence, who feel like that they are not loved by you, who feel like that they are too far gone. God, I pray that you would meet them right now and that you would let them know that you love them, that you care for them, that you are with them, that you are for them. God, I pray over them, Joshua 1.9, that they would not be afraid or discouraged, but that they would be strong and courageous knowing that you are with them everywhere that they go, in the battles, in the good times, in the bad times, in the great seasons, in the terrible seasons. God, I pray that you would restore in them, Lord, a sense of awe, a sense of wonder, a sense of hope, a sense of perspective. God, I pray for a new I pray for a new mindset over them, Jesus, that we would captive, that we would take captive, Lord, the thoughts that are against you and are against your word, Jesus. God, I pray over them. A Genesis 50, verse 20, type faith. That you intended to harm me. Devil, you intended to harm each and every student up here right now. You made weapons against them. You made plans against them. You put them through things. You had them go through struggle. You had them go through a battlefield. But tonight is when it ends. But tonight is when it's over in Jesus' name. Because, God, we pray that the things that the enemy intended for harm, that you would do for your good, for your benefit, God, for your pleasure, for your mercy, Jesus. But God intended it all for good. God, I pray that you would work inside of the situations. God, I pray that you would work inside of the families that are represented up here, Jesus, for the feelings of abandonment, for the feelings of that they're not good enough to receive love from their parents, God. Lord, I pray that you would just bring a level of clarity to their parents, God, and that you would instill upon them a new love, a new perspective, Lord, for their child. In Jesus' name, God, I pray for the students who have had their identity stolen, who have been told time and time again that you're ugly, that you're not good enough, that you're worthless, that you're a failure. And God, we take those things captive right now, Jesus, and we pronounce your identity over them, God, that they are a son of yours, that they are a daughter of yours, that you are their heavenly Father who loves them, who takes care of them. God, for every single woman inside of this room who has been told that you are ugly, that you are worthless, that you need a guy's attention to be good. God, that they are beautiful inside of this place in the name of Jesus. God, for every young man who has believed the lie that they need a girl in their life in order to be fulfilled, that they need to do certain things in order to receive respect or fulfillment. God, I pray that you would instill upon them, God, a reliability on your love and on your joy and on your fulfillment, Jesus. God, that you would move inside of their hearts, that you would move through their lives, Lord, that they would be able to reach their campuses for you, Jesus, in the name of Jesus, God. Lord, I pray that you would be able to release testimonies inside of this room. God, I pray that you would release your spirit and your power, God, that you are our good shepherd who goes before us to pave a way for us, God, on our behalf and for our good, in the name of Jesus. God, I just pray for your healing power, Lord, to be over each and every student, Jesus. God, for the moments that they can go back to in their minds and replay over and over again, God. God, for the moments where a family member hurt them, for the moments where a friend broke their trust, for the moments where things just went too far, where things were awakened in their life too soon, too early, or even things that were awakened in their life that were never intended for them. God, I pray in your peace, and I pray for your peace, 
that surpasses all understanding, God. Lord, that your word says in Philippians 4, that we would go to you, that we would not worry, that we would not be anxious about anything, but that we would pray for everything, that we would tell you exactly what it is that, sh- that we need, Lord, and that you would give us the peace that surpasses all understanding to guard our hearts, to guard our minds. God, I pray for your Holy Spirit to guard hearts tonight. God, I pray for your Holy Spirit to guard minds tonight. God, and as, as they go home and as the enemy wants to tell them that that really wasn't real, that really didn't happen, that really didn't mean anything, God, that your peace would come in like a guard at the door ready to protect them, Lord. God, I pray for those who have had their innocence stolen from them, God. God, I pray for those who have had their purity stolen and now they can't even look at things the same way about things the same way. They can't even look at themselves or other people the same way because of the innocence and the purity that was stolen from them. Lord, I pray that you would restore that right now in the name of Jesus, God. Lord, I pray that you would do a supernatural work within our memories, God, that you would even take out certain memories, Lord, that you would even take out certain moments, God, so that we would not remember them anymore, God. Lord, the moments that haunt us, the moments that worry us, the moments that leave us feeling gross and and dirty and unclean, God, that you would take those moments and those memories, God, and that you would pluck them out of our minds and out of, and out of existence, God. God, I pray that we would have moments where we can just draw closer to you, Jesus. God, moments to just listen to your voice. God, moments to be affirmed by your word. God, faith comes by hearing and by hearing from a word of God. God, I pray that our faith would grow. God, I pray that this would be a defining moment for people, God. God, I pray that this would be a defining moment for students tonight, Jesus. That you would remind them that you're not done with them. They are not too far gone. I, I just really feel like there's a student in here who, who truthfully feels like they have done too many things wrong, that they are too far gone, and that they do not deserve God's love anymore because of the things that they've done. If that student is up here right now, could you could you just, I'm, I'm sorry to put you on the spot, could you just make it known? Could you maybe just like raise your hand? And I just want to let those students know that the thoughts of not being good enough, the thoughts of worthlessness, the hatred that you might even have for yourself is not from God. And it's a lie from the enemy. Because God loves you and he loves you unconditionally. And our minds can't even fathom exactly what that is or the extent of it. But God loves you even when you fall short. God loves you even when you make mistakes. God loves you even when things don't always go as planned. The love that God has for you has never left you. It has never forsaken you. And I know that there's times in your life where you feel like that you pray to God and that he really doesn't listen. I know that you have times in your life where you feel like that God is really distant from you. But can I just affirm something in you that God has never left you, that God has never forsaken you. His presence never left you. 
but he is with you wherever you go in all seasons, in season and out of season, and every place that you go to, you bring God with you because he loves you. Because his son died on a cross for you. So God, I pray that for those students who who feel like that they have a lack of love, God, that they would understand how deep and how wide, how far, how high the love is that you have for them, God, that they would be able to experience that, Lord. God, that you would restore the love that you have for them, Jesus. God, that you would restore and reaffirm the things that you have spoken over their lives, God. God, that they would not allow the things that the enemy tries to do to steal away the things that you have given them, God you are able to work together all things for their good for their benefit Jesus God we just proclaim one more time that the things that the enemy meant for harm God you are able to take them and make them for good God we thank you and we can't help but just be in awe of you Jesus for every every student that's still at their seat would you just come up to the front we're going to get into a time of worship right now. And I, and I really want to pray for, for the students who, who did not come up. Because maybe you think to yourself, I can't really think of a moment where I feel like that my innocence was stolen. I can't really think of a point where I feel like that my purity was stolen. I can't really think of a point where, you know, I, I can go back to where something like that happened. I want to pray before we get into worship that God would guard your hearts your minds, what you see, what you hear, and that he would guard your innocence and your purity so that the things that the enemy is going to try to intend to steal those things from you, God's going to be right there waiting. God's going to be right there ready to go because this is a battle. Like I, I just imagine when it comes to when it comes to God fighting our battles, he has soldiers along the way and he knows exactly when the enemy is going to attack. He knows exactly what's going to happen. And we're going to pray that in advance, when we get to those moments and when we get to those points, that there's going to be a heavenly soldier right there waiting, saying, uh, enemy, you're not going to take that from them. You're not going to take that innocence from them. You're not going to take that purity from them. You're not going to harm them in that way. You're not going to do those things. Because that's my child. Someone who I died for. It's one who I sacrificed my son for because they are worth it. It it says in the Bible, in 2 Corinthians, it says that God paid a high price for you because you were worth it. You were worth saving to God. You were worth laying down Jesus on a cross to die for your sins. You were worth it to God. So all across this place, as we're about to get into worship, can we just lift up our hands one more time? God, we pray for every single student inside of this room, God, especially those who who did not feel like the response was for them, God. But we pray, Lord, for their innocence, God. Lord, we pray that you would be their good shepherd, God. And as a good shepherd does, he goes ahead of the flock and he makes a way for them. He goes ahead of the flock and he makes sure that the path is clear. He goes ahead of the flock to sometimes even sacrifice himself just to save his sheep. And God, we know that at the end of the day, that that is exactly what you did for us and for our souls. So God, we know that you go ahead of us. We know, God, that you prepare a path. We know, God, that you prepare a way for us, Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray against the schemes of the enemy. God, I pray against the things that the enemy wants to do to to the lives of these students, Lord, in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that you would 
have a heavenly soldier, God, an angel ready to go at those points, God, to protect our students' innocence. God, that you would guard their minds, Lord, of what it is that's coming in and coming out, Jesus. God, I pray that you would guard their lips and what they say. God, I pray that you would guard their ears, Lord, and the influence that they're receiving, Jesus. God, that they would be mindful of even who they're watching, who they're listening to. God, I pray that you would guard their ears, Lord, and the influence that has that it has over them, Jesus. God, I pray that you would guard their hearts and their actions and what they do. God, that when it feels like their heart is getting hardened again, when it feels like their heart is getting bitter again, God, that they would not go to everything else, but that they would go straight to you, Jesus, who is able, who is willing, who gives us peace that surpasses all understanding, to stand at the door of our hearts. God, guard our hearts, guard our minds, guard our ears, guard our actions, Lord. God, as your word says, we can make our plans, we can put our path together and what we're gonna do, but God, at the end of the day, you determine our steps. So God, determine our steps. God, have us walk in your will. Have us walk in your way. God, protect our hearts, protect our innocence. Jesus' name. Amen.
side of praise is where our breakthrough lies. So tonight, can we lift this up? Come on, we sing. Oh, come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song. Cause you've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Come on, Bridge Youth, praise him tonight. We sing. Oh, come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me. All that I have is 
on all over this place. Lift your hands. Some of you have not been able to worship because of the burdens you've been carrying, because of the thing that you just laid down. But now you've received freedom, and now you've received restoration, and now there's absolutely nothing. That, like, brick wall thing, border that's been between you and God. It's broken, it's shattered, and it's fallen to the floor, and there's nothing between you and God anymore. Whom, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. So I declare freedom in this place. I declare wonder back in your heart, the ability to dream again. Those who haven't lifted their hands in worship in months because you felt like if I did, I'm a hypocrite. One last time, we're gonna sing this out. So I throw out my hands. Come on, Bridget, from the depths of your heart. Top. Can we just give God praise in this place for what he did tonight? Hey, would you do me a favor? Would you join me in thanking Wyatt for that phenomenal message tonight? So much more than the message for leading us into a moment, a genuine, authentic moment with Jesus. Hey, we're going to do things a little bit different tonight. Usually we'd be jumping into a praise song where we jump and we go wild and we have fun and all of this. But I don't want to break this atmosphere. What I'm going to ask is, um, right when we dismiss in a second, I want to have a handful of leaders meet right in front of this screen and a handful right over here. Because I just feel like the next step to breakthrough in our lives, in our ministry, the key to that door is prayer. So if you feel like you just need like an extra little bit of prayer from somebody who's filled with faith that would like to pray over you, go see them right after service. A couple details really quick. Hey, if you gave your life to Jesus tonight, hey, that is the best decision you could ever make with your life. Welcome to the family. This isn't the end of the journey, it's the beginning. We wanna get something to you called The Next Seven Days. It's seven videos, you'll watch one a day. They're like three minutes. It's literally me, I'll be on your phone, your tablet, preferably not your big screen TV with the surround sound, because anybody else hate the sound of their own voice? I do. Wyatt's got a beautiful voice. <laughs> Wyatt's like, all right, guys, if you turn your Bibles, I'm like, hey, guys, if you turn your Bibles. <laughs> uh, but it really are. They're like videos that'll just help you answer some questions you might have. How do I get it, Pastor Corey? Easy. Just go to our Instagram, at bridgeYTH underscore. DM us towards next seven. We'll handle the rest. Two last announcements before we go. This Sunday, somebody say, this Sunday your boys preaching both services 9 30 and 11 30 hey we take over the 11 30 service grab some friends come hang out if you don't come and hear me preach at the 11 30 i will assume that you hate me so be there hey next week somebody say next week it's the back to school party we are gonna have raffles games free pizza with pineapple on it hawaiian baby it's happening 
It's gonna be so much fun. I'll be preaching. And next week we are unveiling an entirely new and amazing, really cool element to our services that we're gonna be installing every single week. It's gonna be absolutely awesome. I want you to start thinking now, who are you going to bring? Hey, have you guys enjoyed tonight? Anybody else experienced God in a real and a genuine, authentic way tonight? So cool. Hey, go in his peace and love. We'll see you guys Sunday morning. If you need prayer, we got leaders on either side of this room that are ready to pray for you. We love you guys.